You are listening to MCC Geopod, the geopolitical podcast of the Maciej Corvinas Collegium, the largest talent management institute in Hungary. If you want to know more about our mission, please look up our English website at mcc.hu/en or check out our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter channels. For interesting articles and analysis of our professors and students, look up our knowledge base at korvinac.hu/en. Today we will talk about the newly published book The World in 2022, which is the second in this series. The World in 2021 was published last year. I'm talking to the editor, Dr. Attila Demko. My first question is, Dr. Demko, what was the reason behind these volumes? Why did you write and why did the MCC Center for Geopolitics launch this series? Well, um, we saw back in 2020 uh, that, that the world is, is pretty much uh, in a bad shape. That was the year of COVID and we started to think about how to contribute uh, to the the Hungarian discussion on geopolitics and on security. And this book seemed to be a good idea to launch this uh, discussion. And, um, and I think uh, the first book of this series, the, the, the Word in 2021, was a success. So we decided to, to continue with the Word in 2022, which is a bit behind schedule. It was just uh, launched in, in early September, and we are talking about it now in early October because of the Russian invasion of Ukraine. So many, uh, many chapters had to be rewritten. But I think it's very important for, for Hungary and for the Western world to really, to really establish scenarios and to think about our, our world because it's, it's becoming more and more dangerous. What I found very interesting is the fact that you refer to 2021 as the second of the bad years. Could you please elaborate on that? Sure, uh, that, that was basically a biblical reference to the, the seven bad years or the seven years of famine or the seven lean years, uh, as you wish, uh, or maybe the seven bad years are the most understandable for, for, for the international uh, audience. So uh, what I think that, that what was started by COVID is, is only the start of a, of a period of, of, uh, of upheaval in the world, and that was my thought back in 2020. Uh, and it, it, it will not last for, for one or two years. And of course, it was before the Russian uh, renewed and, and great, greater than the 2014 Russian invasion of, of Ukraine it just made the world even less stable and even more problematic. So I think, I think uh, we will face really a, at least a, at least a seven-year period of, of, of bad years, but it can be even more. So uh, that that was that was the reference. That was the idea, and I think uh, I think 2022 after 2020 and 21, this is this is already the third uh, bad year, uh, and I think I think I think we are not at the end of end of the bad years. Would you then say that we are living, as some might call it, in dangerous times? Well, absolutely, absolutely. We live in interesting times, as the Chinese say, and and actually these are dangerous times. So. So why is that? And that's what the idea behind the book, that we are analyzing not one region and not one country, but we are analyzing basically the whole world, the globe. Of course, not every, we don't discuss every country. It's around 40 countries right now. And of course, we discuss everything from a Hungarian viewpoint. So of course, Hungary is, is not a big country, but for us, 
And for this book, this is the world viewed as from a position in Budapest. Uh, so we, we mainly, the most important countries for us are the neighboring countries in this year, especially Ukraine. So there are a lot more about Ukraine than, than the previous years. And we, we started to write uh, this book before the invasion. So before February, so actually at least uh, four different, um, different, uh, topics were discussed in Ukraine before the invasion, like, like the cities of Ukraine, how their population decline is happening. Uh, then, uh, then of course, predictions uh, of the of a possible conflict with Russia, um, and, and that part, of course, we changed after the invasion started. Also, we dealt a lot with the Ukrainian internal politics, even the, in the original uh, original book, which was partly rewritten after the after the invasion. So, in March and April, we were rewriting a lot of stuff. But Ukraine was already a. a, a uh, top country in our analysis before uh, the invasion. So it's about Ukraine, but also we analyze the possibilities of, of famine in Africa. Uh, we have a we have a, on the Sahel region a, a regional analysis. Uh, we have quite a lot, of course, about China. We have about the V4 countries. How the V4? We have one analysis about the future of the EU. What how where how the EU's uh, different scenarios, what are the different scenarios for the future of EU. We also have a, a, a chapter on NATO. We also have a, a, a chapter on the next decade. So the final chapter is a, basically a chapter of educated guesses or predictions uh, on, on the future of, 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 of Hungary and, 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 of course, Europe and the globe in the next 10 years. So what can happen regionally and globally? So it's a, it's a pretty big book. Uh, I don't know. Uh, we published it online now, and it's going to be published in a book format. But in, in a book format, it's, it's going to be like four or 500 pages. So it's, it's much longer than the previous year's book. Of course, length is one thing, but we really analyzed more countries and more topics than last year. So it's, it's quite dense. And we have new chapters. After the invasion started, we put a new chapter on, on, on the drones and the use of drones in war. So it's, it's a military. Unfortunately, it's, it's in Hungarian. Uh, but next year, definitely, we plan, uh, we plan a, a version in English. And of course, since it's online, it can be translated for, for uh, it's, uh, the English-Hungarian online translation is quite good. So anyway, this this is this is a this is a large project and basically this is the flagship project for the center of geopolitics and I'm very excited actually to see it in as a, as a book because even if you live in the digital world and it's already published digitally the real thing is when you have the book in your hand it is really good that you put some focus on the central european region uh, let's think about our dear country, Hungary. How would you characterize the major developments and directions of the organizations that affect us as well? For example, NATO, the EU, and of course, the Visegrad Group. Of course, NATO is, is the cornerstone of Hungarian security. And, and I think the reaction of NATO to the crisis uh, in Ukraine and then the invasion, because it started with a crisis, of course, uh, back uh, in the autumn of last year, and it developed into an invasion in February, was good. 
it was reassuring that NATO reacted so fast and uh, so well. And the divisions within NATO, since we have seen some divisions uh, between France and the US, and we are discussing that, I mean, the submarine case in a different chapter, I mean, the Australian uh, submarine case, uh, which was a rift between France, but these rifts uh, seemingly healed. And NATO was swift to react. Uh, so that's that's one of four chapters. And the other is the EU. And of course, EU reacted fast. Um, um, from, from Budapest, some of the reactions are, are good and okay, and some others are, are not that wise. Uh, and of course, the EU, I personally feel a problem that it's, it's, it's really becoming an ideological uh, organization or an ideological uh, union and not a union of, of, uh, of the common good. Uh, it's, a, it's, it's a problem, uh, definitely for, for Hungary and for many Hungarians that we feel ideological pressures like once we felt from Moscow. Um, of course, I, can, I, don't, I don't compare uh, the, the, uh, the Soviet Union and, and, uh, and, the, and the communist uh, era to, to what we have today, but unfortunately, ideology plays a great part in, in decision-making in Brussels. So we write about that, that we have to return in a way to the roots to be more rational, less ideological because we see a danger. The European Union is a great thing for Central Europe and for Hungary, but if it becomes an ideological organization, an ideological, a union led by ideology and not by reason, then, then we, will, we can see many more upheavals. And of course, we, we see now Brexit, what a big loss for Europe was Brexit. And of course, we shouldn't go down that road. So there must be more understanding and more uh, more uh, acceptance of divisions uh, of, of ideology and thinking within the European Union. If the EU is in danger, what other alternatives are there for our country? Yeah, I don't think the EU is in danger, right? in, but the EU is definitely not uh, the same EU as we joined in 2004. And, uh, and there are many things we changed without consulting the, the states uh, of the European Union. So the Commission is, is becoming, um, without, uh, without proper, uh, proper consultations, is becoming more and more like a government. And the European Parliament has definitely has a, has a huge say now, or a far greater say than before. And we see definitely it's an ideological uh, good approach, has an ideological approach to countries with a lot of bias. And, and the legitimacy of the EU Parliament, you know, of course, European citizens vote for it. Uh, but do they know uh, exactly what, they, uh, what the Parliament is? And uh, so I, I think they are, it's very far from the citizens. So it's in a dream world, uh, not in the world of the European uh, citizens. And this is bad. For the European Parliament, this is bad for Europe. Uh, and actually, it's bad for the future of Europe. Because a strong Europe is the interest for, for all European countries. Uh, alone, even the biggest European countries are small on a global scale. But we have to understand, again, that, that, uh, that we have to measure every country with the same measurements. And not through the measurements, if this country is following ideologically the main line uh, from Brussels, or have different opinion on the cultural uh, and, uh, and um, 
and other other issues. So I, I, I don't mean uh, that, of course, if there is uh, corruption in one country or that is seen, it has to be investigated, uh, or if there are serious breaches of human rights. But I can tell you many examples when Hungary was singled out, while all direct measurements show at least half a dozen European Union countries which are not doing nearly as much in that field than, than Hungary in, in terms of positive measures, and, and they are not singled out. So uh, I, I do have a, a sincere uh, problem with how the European Union works, and this was my chapter, actually. I wrote the, this chapter, and I do have fears uh, for the European Union if, if it continues like that. Uh, since this is a very good thing for Hungary, this is a very joining the EU. I voted for it in 2004. Um, so it, it was a personal chapter for me to, to write uh, my personal worries because I want to see a successful European Union in, in, in 10 years or in 20 years. Based on the insights of the world in 2022 and the very recent international developments, what can the world actually expect from 2023, the next year? Well, we, uh, we discuss, uh, of course, in every chapter, every chapter uh, which deals with countries. So, of course, we deal with United States, uh, Russia, China in different chapters. So every chapter talks about what happened in 2021 and 2022 so far and what may happen in the remainder of 2022 and the next year. Uh, and generally, the chapters are not very positive on 2023. Of course, there are some countries which are, uh, which are uh, getting, um, which, are, which are more resistant to crisis, economic crisis or the war. There are some regions of the world which are profiting from the war, especially those countries who are, who are selling oil and gas. And, and of course, uh, there are many others which are less affected. But what we see that most countries are very negatively affected by the Russian invasion. Of course, Ukraine is, is in place number one, which is the worst affected country. Ukraine is in a dire situation economically. Uh, and even without uh, the continuation of the war, 2023 would be an extremely hard year for the Ukrainian people. But with the continuation war, I think it will be a terrible year, whatever happens on the front lines. And of course, for Russia too. So the second biggest loser of this war, actually Russia. And Russia will uh, not recover, uh, I think, from the current year's economic crisis and, and societal crisis the next year. And I think Russia put itself on a long-term uh, declining trajectory with invading Ukraine. Whatever reasons they had, uh, I think, I think they, already, they already lost, uh, lost uh, the, the few chances to stop this war on, on favorable terms for Russia. So whatever, even if they manage to, to take some Ukrainian land and freeze the conflict at one point in 2023, which is still the most likely scenario despite recent very, very uh, important Ukrainian victories as Russian mobilization forces will come in in the next uh, few months. And, and they are not in, in early October as we talk, they are not on the front lines. But even if that happens, Russia is, is the second biggest loser, of course, after Ukraine in this is war. But all of Europe is losing. There, is, there are very few European countries which are not affected deeply. And of course, this book shows how worried my team, of course, I'm, I'm only one of the authors. I'm the editor and one of the authors. So we have, we have dozens of authors, uh, specialists on, their, on, on different countries and organizations. 
and and of course I talked to them and I read their chapters. I think most of us are are pretty worried about about the the, the, the next year, what will happen in Europe and how this crisis unfolds. I'm really curious. What is the standing of Turkey in the conflict? Are they trying to negotiate for peace or are they trying to achieve something else? So the the word in 2022 deals quite a lot uh, with Turkey, and it was the it was true for last year's book. Since we analyzed in last year's book the Azeri-Armenian war and Turkey's role in it, and again we deal quite a lot uh, with Turkey. So Turkey is a very important geopolitical player. Uh, uh, not only not only in, in its region. So Turkey Turkey is now visible on the global uh, level, and I think their standing in the crisis is uh, is is very peculiar. peculiar. I think uh, Turkey is uh, of course doing Turkey's bidding. So wh- whatever Turkey does, it's for Turkish interest uh, and not for moral reasons. And of course, Turkey supports with one hand Ukraine. And with the other hand, deals with Russia quite a lot um, in in terms of uh, in terms of uh, not only of energy developments, nuclear power plant, uh, gas uh, deliveries, but also politically. But it's understandable for Turkey. The nemesis was for centuries Russia, so the biggest enemy of Turkey was Russia, and still there are conflict points with Russia which is the Azeri-Armenian one conflict. Uh, the Turkey and Russia may collide, and I think uh, the Turkish maneuvering helped Turkey and Russia's weakening helped Turkey, and the other is Syria. And of course, uh, Russia is the stronger player still in this in this relationship, but, but Turkey does have its ambitions uh, to, to regain at least part of its uh, former lost power and uh, and. Uh, and uh, serious influence. Uh, Turkey remembers the past of the Ottoman Empire. And I think there is still uh, uh, a far more grandiose thinking in, in Ankara than, than, than in any other similar sized countries, uh, maybe except for Iran, which is also a historic uh, world power. So these are, these are historic countries with deep heritages. And of course, we deal with Iran also. That's a very interesting country. Uh, so I think Turkey is Turkey is at the same time in quite a big trouble economically uh, because of the, the the lira, because of the economic woes uh, created by the COVID and, and also by the crisis, but also have big opportunities to gain. And Turkey is pursuing it with interest, with iron hand and, and resolve. That does not mean that they do not make mistakes, but until now, one of the victors in terms of geopolitics uh, of this crisis and the weakening of Russia is Turkey. Some news or some articles suggest that Russia is trying to build back its empire. What do you think about this? Well, of course, uh, of course, uh, that uh, I think basically everybody suggests that Turkey, uh, as Turkey, Russia is rebuilding its former glory. Yes, of course, this Ukrainian invasion has to do with the with the Russian history quite a lot. So it's not only a reaction to, to NATO's expansion or or without historical baggage that wouldn't be so hard to swallow for Russia that Ukraine is getting closer to the West. So I think I think uh, I think Russia is definitely doing everything to to regain its lost strengths. And in terms of Belarus, it was very successful. In terms of Kazakhstan, at least it was a PR success. In terms of many other areas, Russia was not unsuccessful until this invasion. Even the, 
the annexation of Crimea was basically bloodless and and meant quite a lot uh, in terms of prestige for Vladimir Putin. The, Russia, of course, lost quite a lot on the international scene, but but internally it was a huge success story. And now Russia is losing basically it's, uh, it's 22 years of success, relative success, of course, because I, I, I think that Russia had big problems before this invasion, long-term problems. But this even this relative success was annulled by this invasion. So the country is now, well, it's not an international pariah because uh, much of humanity does talk to Russia on quite cordial terms. If we, if we look at China, India, Iran, Pakistan, and many other countries which has far bigger populations and quite huge economies compared to the West. And the West, we always forget, the West is less than a billion people, while only China is 1.4 billion people. And Chinese economy in, uh, in purchasing power terms is like the American economy. And it will catch up most probably in terms of, uh, in terms of, uh, of nominal GDP in a few years. So what I, I say in this book and what I do think that Russia lost uh, quite a lot of development with this, uh, with this war, and I think the Russian uh, Russian attempt to re- recreate uh, the Russian, uh, let's say, empire is doomed to fail. As the last question for today, do you think that there will be a change of status quo in the world politically and economically? Well, the change of status quo has already happened. So Russia, again, we must return to the invasion of Ukraine. If, there is, if the, the status quo is on, Russia would not have invaded Ukraine in 2014 and that definitely would not have invaded 2022. So the status quo, which meant for more than a decade, a, an American unipolar moment was already changed back with the, with the failure, the American failure in the war in Iraq. Uh, so I think the status quo already changed by 2007 or The unipolar moment passed by that time. And of course, the economic crisis of 2008 showed that the Western world and the U.S. is vulnerable. And then this change was made clear in, by 2014, by the rise of China, and by this uh, Russian invasion uh, of 2022. And of course, uh, with Russia's very big problems in Ukraine and the success of American armed deliveries, the success of Western weapons, and the success of Western military advice, because what, what we see of course, one needs Ukrainian bravery and willingness to fight. But let's be very honest about this. Without Western help and without American advice and intelligence, it's very unlikely that Ukraine would be in such a good, relatively good situation as it is now. So even despite these successes, the West now is definitely not the leader of the world. In a sense, it was for centuries. So China and India is there. Uh, in a way, Russia is there, but as a weakening power. So what we see that the world has already changed. And this is what we talk about in the world in 2021 and 2022. The world has changed and the world became a worse place for all of us. And since the world has changed, it will mean even more change in the next few years. So, so once uh, the equilibrium is disturbed, uh, it needs time to reestablish itself. And I think I think we are very far from the new equilibrium. Thank you, Dr. Attila Demko, for this thought-provoking conversation. It was an absolute honor to have this discussion with you. 
Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this MCC Geopod episode. For further media content, please look up our English website at mcc.hu slash en or look for us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If you want to read more by our professors and students, check out our knowledge base at corvinec.hu slash en.